Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Pella Window and Door of Georgia, viewed to be the best. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. I gotta tell you, it is fun to wake up and do this show to start a Monday morning with the thought that the Georgia Bulldogs here are the number one team in the country. And when you look around, when you see how everything is playing out here, I think the one thing that you're left to conclude is Georgia deserves to be number one. It would be a, it would be a crime against Georgia. If, the, if we're going to have polls, if polls are going to matter, and obviously being number one at the end of the season is the thing that matters the most. We all understand that doesn't even need to be said. It's literally uh, it's, it's self-evident. It doesn't need to be said. But if we're going to have polls, if we're going to rank somebody in this sport at number one right now, the team that should be ranked number one on the basis of how the first half of the regular season has played out, we're now at the halfway point there for the regular season. That's clearly the Georgia Bulldogs. And you know what? I'm excited about it. I'm happy about it. I don't mind telling you that. And I'm really excited about having ESPN's College Game Day coming back to Athens on Saturday. Boy, you look at the replies when ESPN put this out yesterday. And we had been kind of talking. There had been some chatter over the course of the last couple of days from, you know, folks inside the program that, hey, you know, this, this might be coming down the pipe. You know, you know maybe a chance, especially given, out, given how some of the other results might play out around college football. The game day could be coming back. So we were kind of on guard for most of Saturday night that Sunday might in- include that story. And when the game day tweet came out and all those replies coming in, oh, people are so mad. Ah, you might as well just be the UGA pregame show at this point in time. Because not only is this the second consecutive home game that ESPN's game day has been in Georgia, we've only had six, what, six weeks of the show and game day's been in Georgia, been a part of the Georgia game for three of those weeks. That there is, there is just... Uh, a lot of Georgia on ESPN's College Game Day here this week. I, I think that show still matters, and I think it's a good thing that Georgia is there. And here's the point that I'm going to come back to. All of the attention that Georgia is getting right now is justified. All of the attention that Georgia is earning for itself is very much the deserved prize for the way this team has played, including this past Saturday at Auburn. Being at Jordan-Hare Stadium, the environment the atmosphere there was very much the way that i expected it to be we knew the crowd would be loud it was it was fun first of all the weather was beautiful it was a little bit hot but the weather itself was beautiful and being around campus before the game you saw all the big rvs you saw all the tailgating it very much felt like a real live sec atmosphere all the way around there and you knew that for auburn this was going to be their chance to try to see if they could strike against georgia and and kind of right the ship of their season after the near miss against georgia state the loss uh, to penn state this was like that big rallying moment there for Auburn and those first 10 15 minutes of this game in the first quarter we're going to tell you so much about that Auburn jumps out to the three nothing lead uh, Georgia has 17 unanswered points after that and then for the most part uh, the game was fully in Georgia's control after that I thought the way in which Georgia did this on Saturday in a year that we can now say is a chaos year in college football and, and sometimes I I worry about how to describe some of this because if you're the kind of person like I am and a lot of us around here are who are obsessed with college football, you understand the fact that certain seasons are just different than others, that certain seasons just have a degree of chaos where it seems like week after week after week, there are these wildly unpredictable results where almost anything can happen and it becomes one of those reasons that a lot of people love college football as much as they do. The casual fan maybe understands this a little bit less, but at one point in time a couple of weeks ago, 
it came up on the show of, is this going to be one of these chaos years? Is this going to be one of these years where everything just seems so topsy-turvy and from week to week you're on this roller coaster ride of emotions? And at the time, I kind of said, no, maybe this stabilizes at a certain point and this ends up feeling a little bit more normal than some people feel like we were kind of heading to there at one point in time. Well, now after the Alabama loss on Saturday, you can officially say this is a chaos year. You can officially say that around most of the places in college football, almost anything seemed possible right now. No one, very few people, if anyone would have predicted Texas A&M beating Alabama on Saturday, yet that's what happened. And concurrent to this wildness, concurrent to this drama, concurrent to all of the unpredictable outcomes week after week after week. We've already set a record for most ranked teams to lose, and that, that record seems to be broken uh, almost each and every week concurrent to all of that here is georgia just going about its business suffocating you know uh just absolutely annihilating a big rival in auburn ranked game tigers throwing everything they could at the dogs there early and georgia just emerges georgia was just the tougher team on saturday and i loved the way smart talked about this in his post-game press conference the specific ways in which the specific reasons why he gave his uh team credit for all of that uh, let me let you hear kirby smart on what emerged about georgia in jordan Hare stadium against auburn on saturday this is kirby what a tough environment to play in give a lot of credit to auburn their fans they've created an electric environment and uh, for a lot of our players i mean probably over 50 percent i would even say more than 50 percent of the guys that were playing they've never played in a road environment in that you know, two of our dna traits are composure and toughness and i thought never has that been more evident than today composure and toughness and uh, the men in that locker room never doubt never question each other a really physical game guys you know that was a really physical game and now we've had two of those really physical games back to back i told you we were beat up coming into it and uh we're probably more beat up coming out of it but i'm proud of the way the guys competed man golly just a lot of toughness showed through in that game how many times did Kirby Smart used the word toughness right there? Boy, it seemed like a lot, right? And he says, we want toughness and we want composure. And far be it from me to try to put words in Smart's mouth or rearrange his own words. But when I hear him say, we want toughness and composure, what I'm hearing him say is the toughness is related to your physical toughness. Composure to me seems related to your mental toughness, your spiritual toughness. You know, that, that emotional part of your toughness that's not about how strong you are, how many hard hits you're willing to absorb, but... Can you be in an environment like that and have, you know, 80, 90,000 people cheering for you to fail and just shrug it all off and say, I'm going to go out here and do my job no matter what? Smart says, I saw that physical toughness from my team. I saw that mental toughness from my team. And I was proud of the way that all of that came together to compete there on Saturday, which led to what I thought was a very good question from our colleague, Connor Riley from Dog Nation. You know, Smart said the, uh, the Clemson game, you're either elite or you're not. And the word elite has seemingly come up a lot around Georgia here this year. And so, Connor, sometimes the shortest questions are the best questions. So, Connor to Kirby says, hey, did you think today your team was elite? And I thought Smart gave a good answer to a good question and it kind of a continuation of the audio we just heard from Kirby. This is uh this is Kirby on whether or not he saw elite. Is it eliteness? Is that a word? Eliteness? Uh did he see eliteness from his team on Saturday? 
You know, elite can be a loose term. I thought that we were elite at times. I never used the term that we're elite. We didn't force turnovers enough to be elite. You know what I mean? And uh, I thought offensively we made – I'd have to see the stats, but I thought we made some explosives at the right time. Um, what we were, we were elite toughness, and we were elite composure. You know, Nolan Smith, who's one of our leaders, had a bonehead penalty, and I told him, wipe it up, fold it up, throw it away, let it go. It's over. Go play. And uh, we can't have those on the road. And we'll learn from that. We'll learn from that. But there's a lot of opportunities our players had to have bad composure or lose energy, and they didn't do that. So, once again, I think that's really strong stuff there from Kirby Smart. And I guess here's the point I want to get to. And let me see if I can tie together the whole, hey, I thought my team was tough at Auburn, mental tough, physical tough, I thought my team was tough, to the stuff we started the show saying, number one in the country, ESPN's college game day, and all of the, like, you know, sideshow circus stuff happening around the program right now. Here's the thing about toughness. Toughness is a little bit of a finite resource. What I mean by that is you can only be tough for so long. At a certain point in time, to be tough, both physically and mentally, you got to have some rest at a certain point in time. Or you've got to have that moment in which you kind of regenerate that, that energy level. You know, Smart has talked before about the idea of straining. You know, how long can you strain on a play? Full maximum effort and then stretch that maximum effort just a little bit longer. Well, you can only strain for so long before you either have to be rested or encouraged, and then you kind of regenerate that energy and kind of get back to it. And this is where the game day stuff, once again, back in Athens, the number one ranked stuff and all the, the, the love that George is getting right now. This is where I think that's actually a good thing for the program. Because like the one thing I can't do anymore is we did a little bit on the rat poison thing last week. I'm just sort of over that. Y'all, don't overthink this. Of course you want to be number one. Of course you want ESPN College Game Day uh, at your stadium on Saturday. I, I did this with our video audience as part of our first and 15 a moment ago. This is the entertainment business. The teams that cultivate the most entertaining atmosphere around their program get the best players, the best players playing the biggest games, the team with the best players win those big games and that's just the cycle of life in college football don't overthink this it's great to be number one it's great to have espn college game day at your venue on saturday and there's really nothing more that needs to be said about that other than that but on the idea of all of those what i would think of as kind of fun things happening around the program that if you want to kind of regenerate that energy that allows you to be tough making the the season fun is an important part of that that the more fun you're having the easier it is for you to be tough mentally and physically for those long stretches in those times especially on the road in the sec when you have to be able to do that which really kind of takes us back to something we discussed right at the beginning of of the year before the season began which is that you can kind of thin slice this there are a thousand stats and there's all this you know footballs x's and o's talk and you know blah 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 mr football this mr football that but sometimes the simplest things are just the truest things and we said hey judge for yourself are you having fun watching this team play if the team's fun to watch if they seem like they're having fun playing the games we said this before the season began you can go back and find the archives if the team seems like it's having fun, if you yourself having fun watching the team, then the odds are the season's probably going in the direction you want it to go. Now imagine this just for a moment. Georgia's got eight bazillion injuries right now. Uh, status of your starting quarterback, totally unknowable. All of this is kind of out there in the periphery. Yet ask yourself this question. 
Did you have fun on Saturday? I had a blast. I had so much fun on Saturday. Did it look like the team was having fun on Saturday? You better believe it did. And right now, and sometimes, that is all you really need to know. This team's a ton of fun to watch, and that enjoyable, entertaining atmosphere, I think, is creating the kind of energy level needed to be as tough as Kirby Smart says they needed to be. Now, with that said, let me slightly shift gears to something else just for a moment, because you cannot talk about what happened against Auburn on Saturday, and you cannot talk about what is likely to happen the next couple of weeks at Georgia without discussing the emergence of Ladd McConkey. Y'all, this is really happening. This is not one of those Oh, kind of a nice story. You know, guy, you know, has a a play here or there and, you know, kind of earned some sort of fan favorite status because of the fact that he kind of came from out of nowhere to even get a Georgia scholarship. As of now, McConkey, and you saw it on Saturday, huge numbers finding the end zone. McConkey is not just, oh boy, how about that? Uh uh, you know, a, a relatively lowly rated recruit found his way onto the field for Georgia. Smaller, only 180 something pounds or whatever. Um, smaller guy having this great success that this is a guy right now that's become a real weapon for for Georgia. And if you're going to celebrate the win against Auburn, and you should, mentioning the role that Ladd McConkey played in all of this, I think is a important part of that discussion point there as well. This is Kirby on what he sees when he sees Ladd McConkey. A little bit of biographical information from Kirby here too, which is valuable as well. I saw a, a heart of a warrior. You know, I sat in that young man's home, and, uh, you know, he didn't have one power five offer and he, he wanted to play big time football and all he did was make catches punt return make plays and it's not his fault who he goes against watched him play basketball one night and said i want this guy on my team and uh, his parents were uh, wonderful people and jumped all over the opportunity to come play at georgia and i think any player on your team will tell any player on our team will tell you that mcconkey outworks every guy out there and he plays with physical toughness at 184 pounds, and today, you know, he, he he made some plays. He made plays in the vertical passing game, and really proud of him. And uh, he moved positions. He didn't play the slot today. He played Z, and uh, I thought that was a tremendous job by our coaches and by a young man that that is everything right about college football. This guy wants to win for Georgia. And the more guys you get like that on your team, Dan Jackson's another one that cares about it. Warren McClendon cares about it. They care about this university, and you see it the way they play. It is very bad for the rest of college football what George was able to do on Saturday because it's really the combination of two completely different things. You know, on offense, we talk about being left-handed, being right-handed, the ability to kind of throw counter punches and not just be one thing all the time. Clearly, Georgia's knockout punch is its ability to hoard five-star talent. That's the thing that people know about Georgia, that nobody that nobody has more talent. And think about this for a moment. I've I, I got to be very quick with this. But you can make a case that Georgia's obviously the most talented defensive team in the country, yet off of the Georgia roster that guys have been recruited in recent years, they could all be playing for Georgia right now, you can make a case that Ole Miss's best defensive player, Otis Reese, is a – former Georgia guy. You can make case that Florida State's best defensive player, Jermaine Johnson, is a former Georgia guy. You can make case that uh, Tyreek Stevenson might be Miami's best defensive player. That's a former Georgia guy. And you remember Brenton Cox? He could also still be eligible at Georgia there as well. You can make case that he might be Florida's best defensive player. All these are former Georgia guys. That Georgia's ability to hoard defensive talent and just five-star talent all across the board is so prodigious. They have guys that have left the program and gone on to be the, like the best players and other programs there as well that's how amazing georgia has been at hoarding talent and people now know that about uga but parallel to that 
Now Georgia's also going to take Dan Jackson as a walk-on and make him a guy capable of playing and, and collecting a bunch of tackles on Saturday, stepping in, not skipping a beat when Christopher Smith got injured on Saturday at the safety position. Now Ladd McConkey's going to be one of these guys that's not just one day eventually good enough that he's able to compete and, and contribute, but also be the kind of guy that's able to contribute almost right away, you know, here in 2021 to what Georgia's trying to do. This is now also what Georgia's doing. When it comes to its uh, when it comes to its offense, when it comes to, to what it's able to bring to the table, that's a pretty powerful statement about Georgia right now. It's not good news for the rest of college football when you see the combination of elite five star talent playing that way for Georgia, elite high four star talent playing that way for Georgia, and now Georgia also really developing those lesser known recruits there as well. That's bad news for the rest of college football, but it's a perfect formula for UGA, number one in the country, looking to defend that status this Saturday against Kentucky. Times are good indeed for dog fans. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is uh, Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Pella Window and Door of Georgia. Uh, great to have you with us, no matter how you get to us today, live on video, 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, from the radio at noon on Athens Sports Radio 960, the ref podcast form. However you get to them, uh, worldfamousdognation.com or Apple, Google, Spotify, uh, SoundCloud, all kinds of ways to listen to the podcast. We just really appreciate you doing it. And a huge thanks to our friends at Pella Window and Door of Georgia for making this show possible. Of course, Pella Window and Door of Georgia can help equip your house with energy-efficient windows and doors. Now, this is valuable for so many reasons. Makes your house look better on the outside. That could add to your resale value. Makes your home feel better on the inside. You know, yesterday was really warm. We're still cranking that AC inside of my house. And the last thing I want is that air conditioning escaping out the crevices of inefficient, poorly installed windows or doors. You don't want that. You want what Pella Window and Door of Georgia provides you because they're a nationally known company, which means you get unparalleled resources, but they're locally owned with a branch right here in Georgia, which means you get that unrivaled family-oriented service. You can meet with them in person. You can do a virtual consultation. That's what you want to do. And one of their experts will walk you through all the installation options that are available to you. And if you want good savings, well, Pella's got that for you there as well. Through October 28th, you can get 40% off qualifying installations or 0% interest if you pay for your project in full within 12 months with regular payments. Great warranties here, there as well. And just uh, some of the most uh, expert folks when it comes to how better windows and doors can help improve your quality of life and improve your home that's what Pella Window and Door of Georgia provides so a couple different ways for you to get in touch uh, you can go to PellaofGA.com slash dog nation that website once again PellaofGA.com slash dog nation or you can give them a call 678-638-1496 that's 678-638-1496 just do them me a favor tell them that BA from Dog Nation Daily told you that they will take good care of you because I know they will and I truly believe uh, that there today so make sure you check all of that out with our friends at Pella Window and Door of Georgia. All right, it's John Stinchcomb here coming up in just a moment. Before we get uh, to John and talk more about what he saw with Georgia and Auburn and now kind of what the second half of the regular season is going to look like for UGA, quarterback stuff, everything else there as well. Before we get to any of that kind of stuff, let's go around the doghouse here for a moment, presented and assisted today by our friends at AAA. And I believe there is something for Georgia that is getting overlooked. And I think the reason why it's getting overlooked is fairly obvious. As I said, there is a little bit of intrigue with the, how healthy JT Daniels is when he might play again for UGA. There's a little bit of maybe wonderment at the fact that guys like Ladd McConkey and A.D. Mitchell, two guys who are you know somewhat lesser recruits, are already this good so soon for UGA. All of this kind of stuff justifiably is getting a lot of attention for the program. But in the midst of all of this, the thing that I think is getting overlooked 
is that if you want to kind of come up with names on the list for why Georgia's currently number one and names on the list for why Georgia has a chance to still be number one once the season comes to an end, I think the name that doesn't get talked about enough is Todd Munkin. I believe that Todd Munkin, the offensive coordinator for Georgia Bulldogs, is having a sensational year for UGA. And I want you to hear what Kirby Smart said about Munkin after the game on Saturday because I think we need to make sure that we give Munkin the credit he's due. This is Kirby. I thought Munkin did a great job calling the game, um, tying the run game to the play action. And the play actions only work, you know, if you you got guys that can run and you got a, a run game that's working. So the better the run game is, obviously the play action shots work. And I uh, thought there were some very timely calls there uh, to get some explosives. And uh, a lot of young players stepped up. Look, I, I had no idea if you had told me we were coming into Auburn this year six months ago and we would have had uh, Ladd and uh, A.D. Mitchell, you know, playing our X and Z. Uh, who, who would have thought that? Yeah, obviously you wouldn't have necessarily expected those two guys to be doing what they're doing now. But don't get hung up in the names. Don't get hung up in who's playing quarterback. And eventually that's going to matter. And we've obviously got to talk more about, you know, when JT Daniels expects to return and kind of what Georgia can do without JT Daniels. Obviously worked out pretty well on Saturday. That, like, those are all topics for discussion. But you can't lose sight of the fact that what Georgia's doing offensively, regardless of who it has in the game, Bennett, Daniels, uh, the receivers you expected to have, the receivers it turns out that you have, what, what Munkin is doing is working. And when I possibly can't, sometimes football admittedly is really complicated. Sometimes football admittedly requires a lot of expertise to make sense of what's happening. But sometimes, bad grammar intentional here, that just ain't true. Sometimes football is really pretty simple. Let me give you a very simple thing about Georgia that you might not have noticed. Since Todd Munkin has been offensive coordinator at Georgia, there has been massive, massive improvement in the output for UGA. And I'm not going to give you any kind of advanced stats on this. I'm not going to give you any kind of like, you know, math nerd analytics. Let me just give you the stat that matters more than any other. How many dadgum points are you scoring? Like nothing matters more than that. Go back to 2019 for a moment. Georgia was just fifth in the SEC at just 30.8 points per game. Y'all, that's not good enough. Georgia was not, I don't care what their ranking was. I don't care you know, how many big games they played in. Georgia was not a true legitimate national championship contender in 2019 because it couldn't score enough points. Simply as that, they were not explosive enough offensively to be at that championship level. Even if the eventual national champion that year, LSU, wasn't historically good on offense, Georgia still wouldn't have been good enough offensively. But since Todd Munkin has been on the job, there has been drastic improvement. Let me go to 2020 for a moment. Georgia goes from 30.8 points per game in uh, 2019. In 2020, Georgia's now averaging 32.3 points per game. Now, let me tell you why that matters. Because in 2019, the number that Georgia put up, slightly over 30, that was actually greatly inflated because Georgia, what, scored 60-something against Murray State and 50-something against uh, uh, Arkansas State. They scored, what, 50-something against Tech that year. Georgia had three games of 50-plus points against weak non-conference opponents that actually inflated its overall point total. In 2020, you were only playing SEC teams, and against a tougher schedule than it had played in 2019, Georgia's points per game went up. They were 32.3 points per game, more than two points per game more from 2019 to 2020 in the first year of Todd Munkin. Now, compare that to where things are right now. 
Georgia's fourth in the SEC in scoring per game right now. They're averaging 39.8 points per game here. 39.8 points per game. That's how much of an improvement uh, this is for Georgia. This, if it keeps up, would be the most points per game that Georgia has scored in any of the seasons under Kirby Smart. Even 2017, when Georgia made the college football playoff, 2018, when Georgia was actually pretty good offensively, this is on pace to be the best points per game scoring offense of the Kirby Smart era, and they're doing it with like seven or eight guys missing. And the reason why they're doing that, you've got to give credit to Todd Monken for what he's been able to do. And yes, I know what's well, got to continue. And yes, I know eventually the competition, at least by the time you get to December, is going to get tougher. I, I realize all of that. But stop and appreciate what's happening. We've given a ton of credit to the Georgia defense, and we should. We've remarked the fact that Georgia has all these injuries, and that really matters. But the Todd Munkin scheme, regardless of the players that he's been given to work with, the Todd Munkin scheme is working. They've never been scoring more points on a week-in, week-out basis than what they're doing right now. Munkin deserves a lot of credit for that. It's Around the Doghouse. It's assisted today by our friends at AAA. And obviously, what George is doing offensively right now is working. And what you're doing can work for you as well if you make the decision to do more than just trust AAA for your legendary roadside assistance. I was traveling a lot this week, right? Uh, you know, driving across the state going to auburn and on the road a lot this time of year i think about triple a for that the car breaks down i'm glad to know that triple a can come uh, rescue me from whatever issue i might be dealing with there but that's not the only thing you need to think about when it comes to triple a they can also take care of you on your uh, auto insurance there as well because when you switch and save with triple a today you can save on average 529 dollars that's big savings that's real money that can go back in your pocket 529 dollars you can save so check out aaa dot com slash auto insurance that's triple a dot com slash auto insurance switch and save your auto insurance to triple a here today all right wow wild wild week in the sec we will cover all of that alabama losing and everything that that means before our show is done today we'll also welcome back a great sponsor for the first time in a while i'm looking forward to doing that a little bit later on but for now on everything from georgia auburn kentucky looming on saturday and all of the attention coming the way of the dogs these days let's find out about all of it with our buddy john stinchcomb the former ugl american as we get a classic city lager insider update with john stinchcomb right now from athens and across the sec or wherever the recruiting trail may lead here's a dognation.com insider all right great stuff john stinchcomb here classic city lager insider update with him and you know, John, I'm happy to have you in the program. Your insight always matters to me on these days after games. When Kirby Smart talked about his team a moment ago, man, he used that word toughness seemingly dozen times, half dozen times at least, both the mental variety and the physical variety. Obviously, another chance for Georgia to show that on Saturday, how tough it could be in a tough environment. And Georgia, I think, certainly proved that. What else do you think we learned about Georgia in this spot against a hated rival with the chance to move to number one with a win? That all works out that way. What did we learn about UGA on Saturday? I think we learned that they can be consistent. Uh, yeah, Playing in big games, when you're a good team, when you're at the, at the top of the heap, then uh, you're, you're going to play in more big games. And Georgia has been able to answer that call. I think we've all circled uh, the month of October, and even more so as the season has played out, as vital and a, and a great test for Georgia. And halfway through, they certainly have answered the call and, and stepped up in a major way. I thought, uh, you know, you come out and, and you're playing against a, a team that's 
<clears throat> wanting to, to knock you off. And, and quite honestly, I thought Bo Nix, you know, put them in situations to to compete at times. And, you know, despite the fact that he's whining about a call after the game, <laughs> he certainly did. Uh, he certainly put out a performance that was uh, a, a test for Georgia's defense. And um, I think that's what you can expect from, from our defense is being able to face some <laughs> – Opponents that that are trying to play their best game against you and being able to step up, but you know who who liked that comment at the end of the game? Um, Anybody? No, yeah, no doubt about that. You also use a word there that I think is really important to park on for a moment. I think it's very, very succinct and well said. That Georgia has been consistent in a year in which college football outside of Athens, Georgia, has not been consistent at all. You know, the entire ACC, literally anything can happen in that league from week to week. We've seen surprises amongst all the other ranked teams as well, for the most part. Uh, the wild comeback for Oklahoma, you know, the shootout between Arkansas and Ole Miss. There's so many moments from Saturday that feel anything but consistent here. Uh, but the fact that Georgia sort of shows up at the ballpark each and every week and you kind of know exactly what to get. Now, the Clemson game feels like a long time ago. Now, that was probably Georgia's weakest effort of the season against the Clemson team that, that's turned out not to be very good. But beyond that, Georgia has just shown up very businesslike, you know, almost like, you know, like the, the assassin from the movie just kind of shows up stone-faced and just kind of does the deed that needs to be done and then then packs up and leaves. That's that's a little bit like what Georgia is on a week-in, week-out basis. I don't think that consistency, consistency should be taken for granted just, uh, just, just given how inconsistent so much of the rest of college football has been. I'd say that's one of the hardest things to achieve is consistently great performances. And I – you, know, you can talk about across a season, really across a game, but you look at the best programs, and I hold them in the highest regard because they're able to maintain a high level of play uh, uh, throughout the year, across years, and uh, that is that's a, a look at some of these teams out there, and uh, they can get up for a big game, and then you got three or four weeks off, but. Um, for your top teams in Georgia is obviously and, and gratefully so number one team in the country. That's right. Golly, it feels good uh, and hard earned, uh, but it, it's, it, it is a it is a difficult task to not rest on your last performance and, and realize that each week you're going to get your opponent's best punch. And uh, Georgia hasn't been phased by that up to this point. They they're not concerned or at least it doesn't appear to be, any concern for who's across from them, they're coming out to play their best football. And when a team does that, I think it shows. I think it shows on, on their performance. Um, and Georgia, it, it has been that way all season long so far. No, I think you're absolutely right about that. And we'll that. need to continue to be so, B.A. I mean, geez. No, I think you're right. I'll be that way this year. I, yeah, I think you're right about all of that. I want to talk to you about some of this attention that's come the way of the Georgia Bulldogs here in just a moment. Obviously, some of that uh, because the fact that Alabama lost Texas A&M on Saturday, this was a thrilling game and kind of coming from out of nowhere, just given the fact that the Aggies had not been great this season prior to that. But Zach Calzada <laughs> has a terrific night. Uh, kicker makes a you know gutsy kick there at the end. There's a great viral video coming out there now for you know the way in which his family celebrated with him after all that was all said and done. 
And when you see Alabama suffer through what Georgia at this point in time, thankfully, has not suffered through yet. I mean, I think you're left to wonder, you know, what does all this mean for UGA? What are your big takeaways for the dogs? You know, after the Alabama loss, how does this impact Georgia one way or another if it does at all? Hopefully they don't realize this, the guys in the locker room, but I think it provides a little bit of cushion just because all the top teams uh, are, are accumulating that one loss. And, you know, I don't even want to bring it up, to be honest with you, B.A., because right now the focus for, for Georgia should be on Georgia and continuing to do what they've done this season and prepare for and totally dismantle whichever opponent they're facing this week and um you know it's another big test in coming into town with kentucky um i think we match up exceptionally well and you know you finish out the month with with florida and that's two really big games for our program but um really what does it mean i think you know hopefully our guys don't focus on this but i think it gives you a little leeway if we were to have that slip up and, and still be able to accomplish your goals because across the country there hasn't been consistency in any other program like Georgia's demonstrated week in and week out this year. The other thing, John, is I think it's going to have an impact on the way that I talk about the team and talk about the games week to week in this regard. The last couple of years, Alabama in 2020, LSU in 2019, maybe Clemson in 2018, but certainly the last couple of years, you could make a case that the national champion was historically good. And I may even include Clemson in that discussion for a little bit, just given how badly they beat a very good Alabama team in the national championship game that year. But these were teams that had a million first-round picks. They were dominant both offensively. You know, LSU not so much defensively, but they you know did have a bunch of you know pro-type guys in that defense. The point is that if you wanted to win the national championship in any of the last three years, the standard for doing so really required you to be historically good. You had to be one of the best teams ever, not just the best team in that con- in the country in that you know given year. You had to be one of the best teams of all time. Uh, I would say that in 2021, the bar is a little lower than that. Now, we may find out that Georgia is one of the best teams of all time based on what it does over the course of the next nine games that it could play. But for right now, the competition out there for Georgia, what's standing in its way to potentially win the national championship, does not appear to be historically good, which means that that just winning may be enough whereas just winning alone would not have been enough the last couple of years you were measuring yourself against the all-time standard now you just have to be the best in the country for this particular year which means if you're doing what you did saturday if you can replicate that nine more times you're probably holding the trophy at the end of the year uh, yep it's i think that's a fair and accurate assessment i think you look at really the past four five six years and the teams that have won the national championship were, were elite in what they did, and Georgia was fielding really good football teams, and really good wasn't enough in those years. So I think uh, it's, it's a down year, if you will, just for the elite programs that, that we're used to. Obviously, uh, Clemson has eliminated themselves from that discussion of, of being one of those impact teams this year, and uh, we've seen the vulnerabilities really from, from every program, and Alabama showed their weaknesses uh, against the Texas A&M team that, quite honestly, you watch them and you think, man, their, their offensive line was struggling early. And, uh, you know, and Alabama, uh, what was it, a, a block punt for a touchdown? You're like, here we go. This is, this is Alabama. They're about to do what they normally do. 
And so it's it, you don't have that elite team out there unless unless you're talking about the one in Athens. And um, I just hope that that stays true and consistent for for the rest of the season. It's our classic city logger insider update with John Stinchcomb right now. Obviously, a lot of folks getting ready for Athens on Saturday. It means packing up another tailgate. And obviously, Classic City Lager goes great with that from Creature Comforts Brewing Company. It's a taste of Athens. Lager-style beer, lighter beer, which means uh, it's easy drinking, especially on these nice warm weekends like we've had this past weekend and maybe this upcoming weekend there as well. But no sacrifice on flavor because when it's Creature Comforts Brewing Company, you know you're getting a craft-style lager, which means there's a lot of care taken to make sure the flavor is just perfect, bold, crisp flavor notes that's what classic city lager is famous for it's also easy to find there as well it's available six or 12 pack cans wherever you're doing your shopping uh whatever store you're going to for that you can find classic city lager from creature comforts brewing company so pick some up as you head towards the weekend as you head towards whatever you're doing this time of year classic city lager goes great with it it's simple it's just good cold beer we love classic city lager around here and we believe that you will there as well so check it out wherever you're shopping, from our friends at Creature Comforts Brewing Company. It's a taste of Athens, but you don't have to be in Athens to get it. John, speaking of Athens on Saturday, ESPN's College Game Day returns back for this second consecutive home game for Georgia and the Dogs who have a freshly minted number one ranking next to their name when they play that. I always think about Brooke Whitmire, the stadium PA announcer. That's really about the only time I ever think about what Georgia is ranked when they run out on the field and, and Whitmire will kind of give you the, the number one ranked Georgia Bulldogs and uh, that's how the team kind of takes the field there at that spot. I think all of this is really fun. Uh, I'm not afraid of that attention. I think it's good for the program in a business sense. I think it's also just enjoyable for those of us who want to be a part of a football storyline that matters. Clearly, Georgia does. What do you think about all the attention that Georgia's conjuring for itself right now? I think it's hard-earned. I think uh, they've proven so far this season that they are the number one team. And I, I, I don't know. You have to look back, and I'm sure there's some – statisticians out there that would know the answer better than I would. But when was the last time that a, a team hosted two college game days out of the past three weeks? Amazing, right? I mean, it, it, I think it just shows that uh, the level of, of play from Georgia, the, the competition that they're facing is uh, worthy of college game day, and that really, you know, speaking to the last point that, that you brought up, it's not – there's not a lot of teams that have looked great so far this season, and, and Georgia's the exception to that. And um, I think they're being recognized and honored appropriately with being tagged the number one team in the country and, and two of the past three weeks getting college game day. So I think it's hard-earned. Um, based on performance so far, it, it's not like you see in the performance of, of Georgia's players or coaches and the way they're attacking these games that they're – uh, reading a lot of their own press clippings and getting distracted because you know the performance on the field certainly hasn't suffered uh, in a way that you'd say, man, it, it seems like they've let off the gas and, and maybe they're focused on the wrong thing. That That has most certainly not been the case so far. All right, let me slam on the parking brake before I let you go here because we can't have this much fun. At some point in time, you got to bring something negative Uh-oh. into the discussion. John, how worried are you about the injuries for Georgia that continue to mount? And I, I, I ask this knowing full well that thus far, Georgia's just handling it all and, and, and moving right on. And the guys, the next man up mentality really is working out that way. But my gosh, 
You had both your safeties leave the game on Saturday. You had your, you know, what I view as top offensive lineman, Jamari Salyer. He leaves the game there as well. We're speaking on a Monday morning here. This is before Kirby Smart. Hopefully gives us some important updates on that, you know, later on this afternoon in his weekly press conference. Your starting quarterback, well documented. He's not out there for you right now. Don't know when that's going to change. Obviously, the entirety of the receiving core seemingly has, has dealt with injury here. At a certain point in time, do you worry about it getting too much? It hasn't been too much yet, but Saturday was also a costly day in that regard there, too. How concerned are you about just what appears to be a growing injury list? Absolutely. I, I, am, I am. If you're looking for one concern, what you're, what's on the forefront of your mind as to what could create a stumbling block for Georgia, it's not, not having the consistency, if we're just keeping a theme, of, of the same players on the field and building the chemistry. And, you know, it takes time to, to learn the idiosyncrasies of, of a receiver running a route. I mean, heck, half the, half the injury list seems to come from, from one position group. And quite honestly, they, the, the players that have been called upon have responded admirably. But um, if you're another team, they very easily could have pointed to this list of, of injuries and said, here's the reason why we've stumbled. And there'd be some legitimacy there. Now, I, I give credit to the coaching staff to having so many players ready to play and, and stepping up in a, in a high level, and you're not seeing a drop-off in performance that's you know notable or citable. But, I mean, that's a lot of guys. There's only so many reps that you can get in practice and, and so many opportunities that you have to get guys prepared for a Saturday. And um, when you're limited in numbers now, I mean, you're asking guys to step up and you know, credit the recruiting, credit the preparation, because we haven't seen that uh, become a, a limiting factor up to this point. But you better believe it, it matters when you, you don't have your, your best players out there when you're going against the best teams. You know, my hope is that there's opportunities, and it seems like there are, for most of these guys to, to heal and come back and contribute um, when, when it hopefully, quote-unquote, matters most at the end of the season. But you have to get there first. John, terrific stuff. Thanks for being here as a part of our Classic City Logger Insider Update here today. We will look forward to obviously getting a chance to speak to you soon. And when we're having these conversations week after week, you know, it is just so much fun to talk about this team right now. I can tell you're enjoying it as much as we are, and I just can't wait to do it with you again next week there as well. Well, I'm enjoying it, and I'll be honest, I've enjoyed your series with Chef John. So now we can pair some classic city lager with some classy tailgate. What was it? Connor was doing hot dogs. That's right. done ribs. I mean, I'm enjoying the series. So. Uh, I'm stepping my tailgate game up, too, to try to match the performance of the Bulldogs and uh, what Chef John is bringing to the table. Well, that's all good stuff there as well. Yeah, we take tailgating pretty seriously around here. So whether it be the beverages that you're drinking, like Classic City Lager, the food that you're eating, it's all uh, really, really important to us. And, John, I know you feel the same way. Absolutely. All right, we'll talk Appreciate to you. It, yeah, go thanks dollars. a lot. Yeah, good stuff. Thank you. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC for All right, really good stuff there from John Stinchcomb. And I'm about to make a fun announcement here in a moment. Before that, though, let me just say very, very quickly that John uses a really important word there when it comes to uh, Georgia and the attention. Being number one, ESPN's college game day calls it hard-earned. I think that's right. If game day was anywhere else other than Athens on Saturday, it would be an insult to these Georgia players. 
And if any team other than Georgia was ranked number one right now, it'd be an insult to these Georgia players. They've earned the right to get the attention they're getting. I, for one, am glad they're getting it. And obviously, we'll talk a lot about that throughout the week. But for now, though, here on our SEC through on Dog Nation Daily, I also want to take a moment to welcome back and celebrate back with us for the first time in a while our friends from royal caribbean we're gonna go cruising around the sec courtesy of royal caribbean and here's the thing you gotta know it's cruising time again cruising is back and those vacations uh it's time to get them going it's time to get planning especially this when it comes to royal caribbean because I, I i will tell you in hearing from folks who have been you know asking about royal caribbean and kind of getting back on a ship again and doing that fun stuff again like the one thing i kept hearing over and over and over again is how much people either they've had a chance to experience it before or maybe they're looking forward to experience it for the first time specifically perfect day coco Cay, that private island right there in the bahamas and all the fun things that royal caribbean has for you right there when it comes to that what an amazing amazing getaway this is as a part of so many of the cruise destinations that royal caribbean provides there whether it's the tallest water slide in north america whether it's the largest freshwater pool in the Bahamas. There's a helium balloon that literally takes you like 450 feet in the air. Uh, all kind of, There's like floating cabanas, which is like the coolest thing in the world to me, it seems like. It's all a part of your experience when you go to Perfect Day Coco Cay, that private island of the Bahamas is a part of so many of the Royal Caribbean cruises. So it's time to get your cruise vacation planned. It's time to be a part of that. And as a way of making this easy for you, I want to invite you to check out my friends at the Cruise and Vacation Authority. That's the Royal Caribbean's official partner for some of this kind of stuff. Uh, obviously, the Cruise and Vacation Authority is owned by two dog alumni, so two former UGA students and graduates, uh, big dog fans, and also big travel fans there as well, experts on getting your Royal Caribbean cruise plan so check out the cruise and vacation authority website is tcava.com that's tcava.com or you can give them a call 770-952-8300 that's 770-952-8300 cruise and vacation authority royal caribbean is back time to cruise again and if you haven't been to perfect day coco k now is the time to get there and do a great thing with all of that all right let's cruise around the sec here courtesy of royal caribbean uh, just for a moment and obviously the big news in the sec over the weekend was the loss for alabama and on this show it'll certainly be treated by a lot of our audience as a big deal the Texas a&m is the team that beats alabama so i'll do the a&m part of this in a moment let me say this about alabama first you've heard it said before that you don't want to let a crisis go to waste and there's obviously the thought here that alabama won't let this loss go to waste the chance to get better now because of the loss alabama can obviously still run the table win all its games win the sec west and still be in fine shape for the college football playoff which gives you plenty of opportunity to win the national championship there as well all of this is still out in front of alabama so the result is not necessarily a season ender for you for for alabama but it is a narrative changer i've been telling you hey because i mean go back and listen i'd been pretty good on alabama the last couple of weeks I thought that they would struggle at Florida. They did. I thought they would handle business against Ole Miss. Crimson Tide did do that. On Saturday, I thought it was going to be the next step in what Alabama typically does in the month of October, which is go on one of these runs, dominating teams in Bryant-Denny, on the road, wherever else. And right now, Alabama is just not capable enough to do that. So, so this is what Saturday really means doesn't end the season for Alabama it doesn't prove one way or another whether they will or won't win the national championship season goals remain intact but Alabama showed you it's not a perfect football team right now it's not they don't have the offensive firepower they've had in the past they don't have the deep stable of running backs they are dealing with injuries there uh, this is the kind of team that fell prey to what Zach Calzada and Calzada had not really been good against anybody 
and from a statistical standpoint ends up being as good as almost any quarterback's ever been against the Tide during the Nick Saban era. So the way things changed on Saturday was that Alabama showed you that they may be the best team in this year. We don't know that yet or not, but they are not the best of recent Alabama teams. There have been better teams in the past. And so that's kind of what Saturday was about on the Alabama side. As far as the Texas A&M part of this goes, a lot of y'all have given me a lot of grief over the fact that, you know, I have been pretty high on the Jimbo Fisher era there at Texas A&M. I did not pick them on Saturday, so I'm not going to gloat too much about a game that I actually didn't correctly uh, pick because I was not on Texas A&M this particular Saturday. But I told you a lot during the offseason that I am a believer in what Jimbo is building from a program standpoint there in College Station. And even though this clearly was below the level that I expected the Aggies to be, at least through the first half of the regular season, did not have them losing to Arkansas, certainly didn't have them losing to Mississippi State. Despite all of that, I told you a couple of weeks ago that my overall thoughts on the trajectory of Jimbo Fisher and the trajectory of the Aggies hadn't changed I still thought the arrow was pointing up this is one of the things that I think kind of got lost in the offseason a little bit you know people remember the rubber chicken booster club type comment that Jimbo made where he said they were going to beat Alabama while Saban was still there but the fact is that wasn't the only thing that Jimbo said to that effect during the offseason some of his SEC media day comments got obscured because of the Texas and Oklahoma news breaking on the same day uh, that Jimbo was in Hoover for SEC media days the fact they were coming to the SEC Sooners and Longhorns kind of cast a shadow and on Jimbo being at SEC media days but Jimbo spoke very confidently about his team there yes they still don't have the offensive weapons and you know yes you know despite a good day against Alabama this is still a team that's looking for week-to-week offensive consistency but there's no doubt that that Fisher's building something there in College Station and I think that you're going to see more of this there were obviously a couple of uh, big streaks that came to an end with this game Alabama had a hundred game streak or so of uh, wins against ranked opponent uh, unranked opponents that's now over with it's one of the most amazing streaks I think in all of college football their success against these unranked opponents more difficult to do than you might imagine as long as they possibly did it Jimbo becomes the first former Saban assistant to get a win against him I'm a little sad about that I wanted Kirby Smart to be the guy that was able to do that but Jimbo kind of gets that nod for himself Jimbo had been Saban's offensive coordinator for a national championship there at LSU I guess you can say that if Kirby does it later on he's the first former Alabama Saban assistant to get a win against him I guess you'll have to say it like that Uh, but a very very interesting day in College Station for a number of reasons there with all of that you also saw what happened in Oxford on Saturday with the Ole Miss Arkansas shootout this was a ton of fun to watch and I think that it's important to take away this that while Ole Miss moved the ball better against Arkansas's defense than than Georgia did the week before Georgia also kind of did only what it needed to do against Arkansas the real the real comparison game here is the fact that Arkansas could have scored 100 points against Ole Miss if the game lasted long enough for them to do so uh, but they were never scoring against Georgia a team that scored zero points against Georgia went to Oxford and was just scoring at will against the Rebels if you want some context for how good Georgia's defense is watching what Arkansas does against Ole Miss I think is an example of that Kentucky now comes into Athens on Saturday on a little bit of a hot streak fresh off the win against Florida two weeks ago they also get the win against LSU there as well the Ed Orgeron era would seem to be on thin ice here I don't think there's any questioning that here at this point but for Kentucky 
boy, they bring a lot of steam into Athens on Saturday. Now, Georgia's also more than a three-touchdown favorite, as they should be against the Wildcats on Saturday, but no question that there is a lot uh, of attention on the Wildcats now at 7-0. and And if the 4-0 wasn't all that great the last two weeks, Kentucky's really asserted itself well against LSU and Florida, two teams at the beginning of the season that you probably would have thought were more likely than not Wildcat losses. Right now, there is a living, breathing team on the other side of UGA on Saturday. It's an undefeated Kentucky who still controls its own destiny in the SECs. We'll spend a lot of time talking about the the Wildcats, as you might imagine, getting ready for that game on Saturday. But given the fact this is the third time George has been on game day, given the fact that George was also in CBS this past week, you could probably expect to see a good bit of talk about the Kentucky part of this, especially early in the week, early in the game. Uh, they're going to want to hype this up, CBS and ESPN both. So uh, expect to hear a lot about Kentucky being at 7-0 and and how they've gotten there. I saw a tweet from Tom Hart, who I guess he did the uh, Kentucky-LSU game on Saturday night. I thought this was really funny. So, you know, Kentucky quarterback Will Levis is a little bit of an interesting character. Connor tweeted a video the other day of him putting mayonnaise in his coffee there's the video that's been out there of him eating a banana with like not taking the peel off just eating the peel on the banana and he's a little bit of a weird guy and uh tom hart the sec network broadcaster tweeted something to the effect of that will levis was like 80 percent brady 20 percent gronk i might somewhat dispute the percentages there it may be a little bit more 50 50 because i think that what levis got a lot more gronk in him than he has tom brady but overall that's probably a pretty good comparison for an interesting character at kentucky and a guy who's really kind of brought a little bit of balance to the force there with you know the way that they are starting to do things offensively when you kind of typically think of those Mark Stoops teams being you know strong with the running game good on defense there's a little bit more of that going on with the passing game right now for Kentucky and obviously Will Levis gets a lot of credit for that we'll also say this if you want to make a list of all the things I'm wrong about you know all the preseason chatter going into the start of the season I've been right about plenty the thing that I am the wrongest on though is Tennessee. I had Tennessee as one of the couple of worst teams in the SEC to begin the season, and Tennessee won again on Saturday. Uh, had a big early lead there against South Carolina, really, really asserting itself offensively at the beginning of that game. And, you know, both in terms of the fact that the November date between Georgia and Tennessee now seems more interesting and a lot of the other things that are going on right now Tennessee is certainly worth your attention they score points at will did it against South Carolina did it against Missouri you know their only loss is a game against Pitt in which they also um you know were kind of moving the football pretty well there uh this is a team right now that's doing some things pretty impressive you know all the way around uh pretty interesting stuff there from the Vols and a team that's going to probably be generating more attention, especially as you head towards a, a, a late season showdown between Georgia and Tennessee. So worth paying attention to there. Uh, that is cruised around the SEC, courtesy of our friends at Royal Caribbean. We'll make that your SEC through as well. So we have a lot of fun golden shoes to get to over the course of the next couple of days, as you might imagine. Celebratory with the win against Auburn, all the other crazy things that are going on. But I also have to do this in a somewhat self-serving way as a golden shoe winner to, for today. So we're getting ready to do the post-game show on Saturday, and some of the Georgia fans that were still up top there leaving the stadium were like, hey, B.A., you got to do the Garth Brooks thing, going back to when I had you know, danced a little bit after the Georgia game against uh, Clemson. So I tried to uh, give the people what they want. So if you're watching on video, this was late in the show. Uh, Josh uh, Johansson shared this. He says, I love Dog Nation Daily, but I do have to ask, who'd win a dance contest between Dan Mullen and B.A.? Yeah, unfortunately, if my dancing skills are being compared to Dan Mullen, that shows you how poor of a dancer I really am. 
listen, sometimes it's not about the quality of the dancing. It's about the reason that you are dancing and another Georgia win in a tough stadium, a good reason to do that. So, Josh, appreciate you sharing that. I'll give myself the golden shoe for today and remind you, Gator, Hater Countdown, dogs, 19 days from now, they're going to be floored, and you better believe I'm going to be pulling out some dancing and some Garth Brooks and everything else after that one. We'll see you tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily, presented by Palo Window and Door of Georgia. And on the podcast, I'm now for the R.S. Andrews Podcast Cool Down. We'll take a few of your comments here very quickly. And glad to have you as a part of the show here today. Fun stuff as the uh, dogs... <laughs> <laughs> so um i'm laughing because i'm looking at my tweets to, to read some comments here so uh today i gave myself the golden shoe and uh because somebody you know, sent a video of me dancing around and uh this is very funny uh somebody <laughs> a photoshop of me pinning a medal onto me this is very funny uh lucy uh sent this this is really good stuff all the way around our buddy sugar ray checking in enjoying the show with a little bit of breakfast got some nice looking cinnamon rolls there boy that's a uh, really good stuff all the way around jo- justin hobbs also spending his money monday with us here today appreciate that wyatt fielden shares a really great photo of lad mcconkey just absolutely trampling an auburn defender here he says, I, I should see this picture in every restaurant in Athens and in town from now on. Lad is just getting started. This kid makes me very proud. It, it's amazing. If Lad McConkie was on Auburn's team, he'd be on the media guide. Like, he'd be the face painted on the back of the scoreboard. Like, that's kind of how substantial a figure I think he'd be for a program like that that has just the worst receivers in the world. Um, McConkie would really, really make an impact for a team like that. And the fact that he made such a big impact for Georgia on Saturday is really special. I think it's worth celebrating. It's, it's, it's a really cool thing. And I wanted to highlight him on the show a little bit today because I just think he's just been incredible. And it's cool to see him getting the love that he deserves on that because these are uncommon stories. This kind of success for a guy like this so soon in his career, forget the fact that he, you know, in a lot of ways, size and things like that, recruiting profile doesn't fit the mold of what we expect a great college wide receiver to be. Uh, he's just really, really something. Seth B. Rhodes, in the subject of Georgia being ranked number one, says Georgia better get used to playing as front runners. Hopefully, this is the start of a trend over the next several years. Yeah. I mean, I think that's absolutely right, that part of being great is being used to continuing to be great when people say you are great. And it's it's the same thing I used to always say about the Sports Illustrated curse, that for those of you who may not remember a time in which Sports Illustrated was a magazine that had a cover that came out each and every week, and there was this thing of uh, the Sports Illustrated curse of when you make the cover of Sports Illustrated, something bad's going to happen to you after that. And then it kind of became like the Madden curse there as well, the Madden video game. Is the Madden curse still a thing? Is there still an active Madden curse? No longer active. Okay, so the Madden curse has been quelled. Uh, But at one point in time, the thought was, if you're on the cover of the Madden video game, you're going to have a bad season. What I always believed about that was, is that it's not really so much curses about being on the cover of magazines or video games. It's that once you achieve a certain level of greatness in sports, it's just hard to stay there. That, you know, there are examples of guys that become goats, greatest of all time, and they are are great every year for their career but for the most part greatness is kind of a fleeting thing you're great for an individual moment you're great for a season but consistent greatness there's a reason why the the list of guys who have achieved that is so short it's just a very exclusive club to be a part of so you know when you see a team get number one and not stay there or get college game day in their campus and not play well once they arrive that's not so much about the oh they read their press clippings they fell prey to the the rat poison or whatever else that's not what that's about to me what that's really about is 
it's just hard to be very good in college football a week after you've been very good or it's hard to be very good in the second half of a season when you've been very good over the course of the first it's hard to maintain consistent greatness and if Georgia wants to be the program that we all believe they have a chance to be getting used to doing that is just something they're going to have to do and I think that Seth has a terrific comment when he says that and that is also a great way to close out our R.S. Andrews podcast cool down for today. So check out R.S. Andrews online at rsandrews.com for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, and electric needs. They show up on time. They do the work that's promised for the price that's promised. That is the guarantee R.S. Andrews can make for you. So have a great day, and we'll see you back here tomorrow for Dog Nation Daily, presented by Palo Window and Door of Georgia. We'll look forward to talking to you then, everybody.